0: united church of christ presents echoes the reflection by the reverend Jean randall bodman presented on sunday december 10th 2023 please pray with me holy one of old be in the speaking and listening this morning in the meditation of all our hearts for it is you to whom and for whom our hearts cry out amen history doesn't repeat itself but it does echo. I'm not sure where or when I first heard that little catchphrase, but it stuck with me. I really like it, and I've remembered it for a long time. I couldn't remember who said it, so I hit Google. According to Google, it's been attributed to Mark Twain, but it isn't in any of his published works. It may or may not have been in a private letter he once sent. In short, nobody seems to know who first said it. Also, I may have remembered it for a long time, but I didn't remember it correctly. The catchphrase is actually, history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. With apologies to whoever started it, I like my version better. History doesn't repeat itself, but we can often hear it echo. We can hear it in our own lives, a thing I notice more and more the older I get the history of my ancestors echoing in the appearance, the skills, and the quirks of my children, formed as we are by our own encounter with the world we inhabit, but also formed by what we inherit and by what our ancestors encountered. I feel it in my own personal history, echoing as I pull out Christmas decorations and suddenly feel myself tumbling back through the years Through all the other times, I have pulled out the same ornaments, heard the same scripture stories, sung the same carols, watched the same set of Christmas movies. Not that we don't add new things at our house. We do, we're not stuck in time, but the celebrations echo down the years. The years when my boys were coming home from college for Christmas for the first time, echoing the first year my brother was away at Cornell and we all waited so eagerly for him to pull in late at night. Those echoes add poignancy and sweetness and also depth and meaning and rich context to life. It's not just this Advent and this Christmas, but all the Advents, and Christmases together, illuminating this one. The ones when my mother was alive, when my grandmother was alive, and through their stories and the ways they celebrated, my great-grandmother, whom I never met. At choir rehearsal yesterday, we sang a piece that borrows from plain song, that earliest form of church music which brought echoes to me of a chant choir I once belonged to in New York, and the day I auditioned, shaking in my shoes, sitting in the director's office. It brought back an echo of singing with my college choir, and then an ancient church I once visited in Greece, a church that was built before the split, before the Roman and the Byzantine churches, and then a cathedral I once got to sing in in Germany, and a visit to a monastery here in Oregon, where we went and had evening song with the monks. In the breath between the third and fourth measures, centuries of echoes making that same kind of music filled with beauty and depth, a connection to all those other voices and lives, lives I will never know, and voices I will never personally hear, but still connected. Today's gospel message invites us to hear echoes that fill the few words on the page with depth and connection to events that had happened centuries earlier and even right back to the very start of the story of God's creation of the world, in the beginning, reassuring Mark's readers and hearers, including us, that the whole story rests in God's goodness. The second echo is of the Israelites' exodus from the wilderness to the promised land, led first by Moses and then by his successor, Joshua, which in Hebrew is Yeshua, Jesus. Jesus, the new Moses, leading new people into freedom in a new era, aimed into the future. A third echo echo is called up by the words, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. That voice is the voice of promise given by the prophets that God would renew and restore and return Israel to that same promised land after they had been dragged into captivity in Babylon, and that God is sending a new prophet to the captivity of the first-century Palestinian Jews, that God will not leave them orphaned. And the message is to us in whatever captivity we are in, whether politically or personally or culturally, God will not leave us orphaned. The people who flocked out to see John the Baptist in the wilderness lived in a world dominated by Roman power, a power almost as complete as the power that Babylon had wielded over the people. They were in a sort of internal displacement in their own place, on their own land, but unfree, I wonder if they were drawn to John's voice by that ancient echo, that ancient echo of God's promise. If they allowed themselves to be lowered into the water in the same way that converts were washed in initiation because they too were in search of some kind of renewal. They were looking for something beyond the temple and its system of sacrifices for sin. Maybe because Herod is the one who had rebuilt the temple and was holding his power over the leaders of the temple, and Herod was closely tied to Rome. Double-sided Rome, which was busy building roads and cities and expanding opportunities for citizenship, enticing people at the top to come in, while at the same time enslaving thousands and making sure that all the riches flowed upward and Romeward, keeping the poor Poor, and poorer still. The first readers and hearers of the Gospel of Mark were living at about the time of the Jewish revolt against Rome. That conflict and the subsequent destruction of the temple which Rome wreaked made everything in their world seem stark and severe, even God-forsaken, so they were listening for echoes of God's presence. And these echoes are for us as well. Not that we are living under the arm of of an oppressive empire, but we are living in a time of deep political division, anger, and animosity. And we are living in a time of war. It's war that we are physically separate from, but in which we are complicit because our government is sending arms. And we don't necessarily have a voice in how many, and where they go. Mark's gospel is written to his first readers and to us to reassure us that, though it often seems that death-dealing forces have the upper hand, the reign of God is near. The arrival of Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, the Messiah, is a sign of God's nearness and a doorway to God's way. Neither a military conqueror nor a conventional king, Jesus comes to us as a prophet, healer, teacher, inviting humanity into a deeper form of liberation. In Mark, Jesus's mission is to teach and to heal and ultimately to suffer, die, and rise. By that willing death and new life, that is meant to set us free from our captivities and it is meant to send his followers out to join the proclamation of the good news. It isn't something meant merely to comfort us individually alone. It is meant to send us out with a message of the good news of God's nearness, the good news of restoration and deep freedom. It's meant to encourage us to accept God's peace within us which will enable us to work for peace in the world where there is so much unpeace. These are liberating words and hard to hold onto when the world is so much with us. None of the headlines that are grieving us this Advent are repetitions of what has happened before, but they are certainly echoes. War in Ukraine and war in Gaza echo other wars on that same land and wars in which those same people have been victimized in far places. People displaced from their homes, unable to escape, hungry and beleaguered echoes every war that we humans have ever fought against each other. The advance of Christian nationalism in this country echoes the rise of authoritarianism in other places right now and in earlier times. It's not identical, but it echoes. And like almost every event echoed in human history, there is more than one truth about what is happening right now, more than a side to root for and a side to root against. It is not simple. Because on every side, there are humans, just like every conflict and every time in history, on every side, humans. I was reading, I was scrolling online the other day, I'll come clean and confess, and I ran across a really, um, a, a post by Arab American author Leila Lalami, Lalami, excuse me. She's the author of a book called The Moors Account and the Other Americans. And she posted this on her Instagram account. We are now two months into the bloodiest war Palestine has seen since 1948, and neither the Israeli government nor its supporters in the United States and Europe seem to care about the carnage. I would add that Hamas does not seem to care about the carnage that it wreaked in the kibbutzim in Israel. Thousands have been killed already. On the Palestinian side, 2 million have been displaced. Their homes bombed, their hospitals wrecked, their schools and universities and libraries leveled, their mosques razed, their livelihoods destroyed. Orphaned children too young to speak are being tagged with the, world's, with the words unknown trauma child. Even if the killing were to stop today, the land has been made uninhabitable for Palestinians. She continues, I feel such rage and despair whenever I open the newspaper or log into social media. In times like these, it can be very hard to hold to more than one idea in the mind at the same time. But this is precisely what life, in contrast to war, demands of us to hold on to more than one idea at the same time. The Palestinian cause is just, the occupation is intolerable. And anti-Semitism is a global scourge. Killing civilians is wrong, and we need an immediate ceasefire. And hostages should be released at once. The walls must come down. Refugees have a right to return. Apartheid laws must be dismantled. And also, Palestinians and Israelis deserve to live in safety together. All these things, every one of them, at the same time. Even in her rage, she writes, I still have reason to hope. I see solidarity, especially among young Arab, Muslim, and Jewish students on campuses. I see journalists risking their lives to bring us stories. I see love and kindness from strangers. I see resistance, and I see survival. As we listen for echoes of God's voice in this world now, what wilderness should we look to to hear John calling us to repent of the systems that keep this world in the state that it's in? What water should we stoop down into seeking renewal and restoration? Where do we hear Jesus' teaching echoed, beckoning us forward as part of the good news to the world? What comfort are we res- and healing are we receiving right now that we can offer and spread? Where has Jesus sent us to bear good news that we have received to other people? I recently heard the voice of Jesus echoed in these modern Beatitudes, written by Marcy Alvis Walker, Beatitudes for the Have-Nots. Blessed are the Have-Nots, each and every blessing of heaven, the sunshine, the stars bright, this good earth were made for them, belong to them, and will not abandon them. Blessed are the expelled and the displaced. May they be restored and sheltered with words of welcome. Blessed are the war-torn. May they know serenity. Blessed are the bombed and hollowed out. May they be recovered, their names and stories documented and made whole. Blessed are the shell-shocked. May they be offered solace and dignity, wrapped in strong arms kind words, and shared humanity. Blessed are the threatened, harassed, and bullied into silence. May they find their courage to speak. May their voices roar. Blessed are the unjustly vilified. May they be exonerated, their stories believed and returned to them. May they be trusted to decide when and where and how To tell their own stories. Blessed are the walled in and the walled out. May they know that everywhere belongs to them. May their children and their children's children roam free upon an open, unbounded, and borderless earth. You are blessed when you are overwhelmed, weak, and left wordless and breathless, when your calls for love justice, peace, and freedom are shunned. When your earnest questions are dismissed and made small, take a deep breath and exhale, go and rest. You are not the first to feel misunderstood, censored, and erased. You are not the first to have your truth undone by fear and ignorance. Many have already walked this path. Like them, your truth will not be extinguished. Your testimony will not be diminished. Know that your earnest striving will widen the path. You have-nots will flourish and multiply. This is the invitation I hear today for the second Sunday of Advent, our Sunday of peace. Listen for the echoes of John calling you out into the wilderness, beyond where you think you can go. Listen for the echoes of Jesus, the Anointed One, teaching, healing, and empowering you with the Holy Spirit to carry on the message that God is near, peace is possible, and we all, every human one of us, are beloved. Amen.